our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Good morning, church. What a great day to be together. What a great morning of worship. Man, I just get excited about what God's doing in His church. And welcome back to our series. We're in this great series called Prayer More Than Words. And today is also our Mission Sunday. So we do this once a year, and I love this Sunday because we get to hear about what God's doing through His church and missions. And also, we get to talk about how we can be involved more as we serve the Lord together here at Rolling Hills Community Church. It's such a joy and such a blessing to be able to worship together today. Now, in our prayer series, here's what we've talked about. If you're taking notes, we've talked about purpose in prayer. And we said that prayer is more than just talking to God, right? That's what a lot of times we think about prayer and we kind of go, God, here's my list, right? And I need you to come through because I got this whole list for you, God, you know? And, and prayer is more than that, just presenting a list of God. Prayer is also listening. And the purpose of prayer is to connect with the heart of the Father. The purpose of the prayer is to connect with the heart of the Father. Then the second week we talked about this, that there's passion in prayer. That, that we don't just say ritual prayers. I mean, we maybe grew up saying these ritual prayers and we'd say them at bedtime or we'd say them before a meal and, and that was fine. It was teaching us kind of to pray. But, but the point was to really move as we grow and mature to our heart, to really pouring out our heart to God, to, to having a relationship with being authentic with God, being vulnerable, being real. And then we looked at the pattern of prayer. And the pattern of prayer, we start with God first. You know, so often we start with us first, right? You know, this is what's going on, God. I don't know if you know this, but this is what's happening. And instead, we start with sovereign God first. And so we talked about adoration, adoration, and then confession, and then thanksgiving. God, thank you. You've always come through before. God, you've always you've delivered. You've been there, you know. And then supplication. And that pattern changes the way we pray. And last week, we talked about the practice of prayer. That's one thing to, to talk about prayer. It's another thing to practice it. So we've been challenging each other in the body of Christ here to say, hey, carve out 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes in the morning and just say, I want to put this into practice. God, teach me to pray. God, I want to learn. I want to grow deeper in my prayer life. And what will happen in your heart, in your life, and in your family, and what will happen just around you as you and I learn to pray as we grow in prayer. And today we're talking about the power of prayer. The power of prayer. Now, now, guys, there is power in prayer. I mean, we live in the seen world, right? We live in the physical world. And so often, man, we are looking at things and we're looking at our circumstances or we're looking at the challenges or we're looking at the struggles. But there is a whole unseen world that's out there. There is a whole spiritual world that is out there. And God is sovereign over both the spiritual and the physical. And so when you and I access God through prayer, right? Prayer is the spiritual key. As you and I invite the God of the universe into our situations, you and I invite the God of the universe into our lives, things change. Prayer literally changes things, but prayer literally changes us too. And you know, what's interesting is whenever there's a, a time of crisis in our nation or a time of crisis in the world and politicians, whether they're religious or not, they will call the nation to pray. 
You know, they, they will say, hey, we need to pray, or we'll have prayer vigils, or there's a crisis in somebody's life, and they may not even be religious, they may not even go to church, but they would say, hey, would you pray for me about this? Or, you know, you say, can I pray for you? And they go, yeah, please do, because we know, I mean, we are human, we know, we are small, we are finite, but we know there is a sovereign God who is bigger than us, and we know that that God hears our prayers and that God cares about us. And prayer is the power of God unleashed. And you and I, so many times, we want to solve problems. We want to jump in and try to fix things. We're fixers, especially us guys in the room, right? We want to fix it. We want to make it right. Instead of stopping and saying, hold on, before I dive into this and maybe make it more of a mess, let me just stop right here and say, God, you enter in. God, you come in. Because it's through the power of prayer that miracles happen. And our God specializes in miracles. And that's why we're talking about that day, life change. And I want you to see this. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first, first four books of the New Testament. As we all see about Jesus in these books and unveil Christ, the Messiah. And Luke chapter 11 uh, we're going to see the Lord's Prayer. It's also recorded in Matthew chapter 6, which Jesus began his earthly ministry and teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. But then he comes back later on in his ministry to teach us the Lord's Prayer. Now, if you don't have a Bible, we've got some free Bibles in the back. love for you to grab one. Also, we'll put the Scripture on the screen. Or if you have a mobile device, you can access the Scripture at version. But pick up here, Luke chapter 11, look at verse 1. It says, one day Jesus was praying. And we talked about this, that Jesus prayed. Right? I mean, Jesus, fully God, the divinity of Christ, the humanity of Christ, but Jesus prayed. It was a part of his practice. He lived it out, and he was praying in a certain place. And I hope that by now you've maybe found a place in your home or a place at work or a place outside that's kind of your place where you go and meet with God, you know, your prayer closet, and, and just find a place. You know, for Jesus, Around the Sea of Galilee, probably had a big rock that he would just go and sit there and pray. But he's praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. We want that. There's something different about the way you pray because the disciples were Jewish. They grew up saying prayers. They had ritual prayers that they would pray. But, but when they saw Jesus pray, they were like, whoa, wow. There's power in that prayer. Lord, Teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray. Right? Not if you pray. When you pray. We're all going to pray. I mean, there's times in our lives, you know, I mean, we've been in a crisis and things have been hard or difficult. And man, you just call out. You're like, God, help. God, when you pray, say, Father. Father. And guys, I, I, I just, I hope and pray in the middle of this series that, that we get that. That, that Jesus invites us to call God Father. I mean, this is what separates Christianity from every major world religion. Right? You look at other major world religions, there's a supreme being, and, but it's unknowable or unpleasable. And yet, Jesus says, you could call God Father. He cares about you. He wants to know what's going on in your life. And he promises to protect you and to provide for you. He, he is your Father. He wants a relationship with you, not just religion. He wants relationship Say, Father, hallowed be your name. You know, honor you, God. I'm going to put you first. Your kingdom come. And then give us each day our daily bread. Now notice, he starts with God first. And prayer should always start with God first. God, your agenda. And God, your, 
You're sovereign, God. You're in control. And I want to start with you and praise you. And then, right, the vertical, then the horizontal. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Now, I want you to notice something. I want you to notice something here. Maybe you've seen this before. Maybe you haven't. But, but did you notice that the Lord's prayer is plural? It's plural, right? Give us each day. Give us each day our daily bread. So when we come to God, it's not just saying, hey, here's my need, God. I want to bring that to you. But, but God, I want you also to meet the needs of those who are hungry around me. God, I want you to meet the needs of those around me, God, who are poor and don't have much. God, I want you to meet their needs too. Give us each day our daily bread. We live in such an individualistic society. I mean, we do, right? We live in this individualistic society. We think it's all about us. <laughs> I mean, our whole world is like about me, right? Like I'm the star of the movie and everything else is happening out there and people are co-stars, but you know, it's really my life. And when we begin to pray, we go, wait a minute, God, you're the star. And God, how can you use me? And God, I have a part to play in your story, but Father, I want people to give glory to you. And God, I want you to use me to meet needs around me. God, give us each day our daily bread. And there's people around me who are in need. God, use me to help as well. Father, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. See, we pray for forgiveness of our sins, yes. But, but we realize, too, that our sins have consequences on others, our sins impact the people around us. Our sins impact generations. And so forgive us our sins, the sins of even community or a nation. Rather, forgive us and then lead us not into temptation. God, lead us. Lead us. Not just me, God, but lead us. My family, my neighborhood, my workplace. God, lead us in your way. See, here's the thing. Spiritual growth happens in community. Spiritual growth happens in community, right? I mean, Jesus came along and he could have taken one disciple and done one-on-one -on -one mentoring, but, but he took 12 and he said, I'm going to pour into you. And that's why we have community groups, right? This discipleship. I want to pour into you. And, and as iron sharpens iron, you're going to learn from one another. You're going to grow from one another. But it happens in community. And even in this prayer, that's what Jesus is teaching. See, when the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, Jesus was saying to them, hey, it's not just you have to pray these exact words every time you pray. This is a model for you. Put God first and understand God's plan for you. Trust in him. Jesus was preparing his disciples to lead his church. Right? I mean, you look throughout. That's what Jesus was doing. He took these guys for three years, poured into them, discipled them, mentored them, helped them. Then Jesus came to the point where he died on the cross for our sins. Praise be to God. Right? I mean, it should have been us on that cross. Never forget that. Never forget the grace that God has shown you and shown me. Jesus took our place. Substitutionary atonement, right? But here's the great news. After three days, he rose again because death could not keep him in the ground. Oh, no. He is alive, and he conquered death and made a way for you and I to have eternal life with the Father and then Jesus for 40 days was on this earth and he brought those disciples, the same ones he taught to pray. He brings them back together. And before he ascends into heaven, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the last words that we have of Jesus on this earth, Jesus pulls them together and he says, guys, guys, listen, listen, listen. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. 
Jesus says to them, guys, listen, I've taught you to pray. I've taught you to say, hey, let me just pull back the curtain on the unseen and to invite the God of the universe into your life, into the situation, into this world. And I want you to now go live it out. I want you to be bold. I want you to go be the hands and feet of Christ. That was Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. Those early disciples, right, they were meeting together in a home. And they're praying, and they're praying together. God, what do you want to do? God, how do you want to use us? And the Holy Spirit comes down. Acts chapter 2, game changer. Boom. You know, I mean, the Holy Spirit comes down. And these common fishermen, right, these ordinary guys, all of a sudden, they are filled with the Spirit, and they become bold. And they go out at Pentecost and begin to preach the gospel, begin to love and to share and the grace that God has given to them. Now think about this. These guys, right, they watched Jesus be nailed to a cross by the Romans, by the Jewish leaders. And these same guys then instead of hiding, all of a sudden walk out and say, hey, we want to proclaim to you that Jesus, whom you crucified, he is alive and he has changed us. And there was a boldness that came. These guys, see, when you pray together, right, the disciples, they started to pray together, and then all of a sudden they started to serve together, to serve together. They prayed together, and they started to serve together. And it changed the world. It changed the world. You know, every great awakening that has happened has started with prayer. It started with prayer. God's people praying. God's people saying, hey, there is hope because God is here. God wants to do something greater. And Father, we want to follow you. And prayer is inviting the God of the universe into our situation and into our lives. And that's where things begin to change. And these disciples took seriously Jesus' commission. Go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And, and, and that would have been something that they knew. Jerusalem is where they were living. Right? Right then. But they grew up in Galilee and in, in Judea. And so Jesus was saying, hey, you start to pray. You start to pray for your community. You start to pray for your home. You start to pray for the people around you. And then watch me work through you. The power of prayer. The power of prayer. You know, we moved into this building about eight years ago. It was a big warehouse. It was a miracle that we're even here. I mean, you know, we were meeting in a movie theater for five years. And God just provided this giant warehouse for us. And, and when we moved in, we said, you know, how can we make a difference in the community around us? And so we started praying, our staff, leadership, and just saying, God, what do you want us to do here? And we, we built Habitat homes here. We've worked with Grace Works and all kinds of ministries. And, and one of our pastors, Jason Hale, and a pastor on our staff, he's just an amazing man of God. He's now our campus pastor in Nolensville. But Jason was our missions pastor, local missions. And he met a guy at a conference, you know, and he started talking to this guy, and this guy goes, well, I work in mobile home uh, places all throughout Atlanta. And, and I started doing after-school tutoring, and, and Jason's like, well, maybe we could do that here. You know, just two miles down the road, Franklin Estates is the largest mobile home community in our area, and it's also the most underprivileged. What, what can we do as a church? How can we reach out there? And, and God just brought those two together. It was a God incident, and we prayed. And so we started doing the PATH Project. And doing after-school tutoring over in Franklin Estates and meeting people and running camps. And, and we just fallen in love. And now people there are part of our church. And it's been exciting. Well, Jim, the guy from Atlanta, was at a conference later on about a year ago. And, and, and while he was there, he met another guy. And this guy's a pastor in New York City. 
And this pastor was talking to him and says, what do you do? And he says, well, I work in mobile home parks and I share the love of Christ and do after school tutoring. And, and the guy goes, really? He goes, well, where are you working? He says, well, mainly Atlanta, but then with Rolling Hills Community Church, I'm in Franklin. And this pastor in New York just looks at him and goes, no way. He goes, you have Franklin Estates? He goes, yeah. And this pastor in New York said, you know what? I used to live in Franklin. And my wife and I actually lived in Franklin Estates. I was a student pastor and we were living there. And he said, I used to walk up and down in the neighborhood and just pray and say, God, bring a church, bring people around and just reach this community for Christ. And with tears in his eyes, this pastor goes, I can't believe it's happening. I can't believe it's happening. It's the power of prayer. I want you to hear this morning from Margaret Jane Strelecki and Chris Strelecki. And I want you to hear a little bit about what God's doing in the PATH Project and, and just amazing things that are happening there as we continue as a church to work in this community. So Margaret Jane, tell us a little bit more about PATH and how you got involved. Sure. So the PATH Project is primarily an after-school homework help program. We serve kids pre-K through high school. And... Um, <clears throat> We do work in Franklin Estates. There um, are over 300 mobile homes in Franklin Estates. And we, this year, are expecting about 125 kids to come wow. to our weekly programs. Um, I got involved first as a volunteer, and um, then about two and a half years ago as the community director. And um, I started volunteering about six years ago in, um, in Franklin Estates with PATH Project. Um, and I heard about it at church, but then um, God quickly was connecting some dots for me, is that um, uh, the neighborhood there, the kids had recently been rezoned to Poplar Grove Elementary and Middle School, where, where I'm a teacher, and I had been there already for three years, and I'm still a teacher there. Um, so that was very clear to me that this would be an awesome place for me to serve, because I had lots of connections with the community already, and then also our three kids now attend Poplar Grove. And so... Uh, the families there are their, their peers and their friends, and so it's just a, a good fit for us. That's awesome, Chris. Uh, tell us, you guys, what, what do you see God doing at PATH right now? So I see God doing a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the biggest ways I can see God working is that like PATH project is working. Mm -hmm. um, you know, our objective is to see kids graduate high school for, with a plan for their future and knowing God loves them. And I see that happening. I see little kids coming to PATH project and they're growing into bigger kids. And I see the bigger kids growing into big enough kids to help the little kids. And I see them thriving academically. And I also see them hearing and knowing good Bible truth and mm -hmm. knowing God loves them and knowing there's a community around them that wants to support them. Seeing not only the church, but businesses and the school and their mm -hmm. parents coming together to, um, to support them and see them have a successful outcome. Man, I love that. I do, I do. And it's amazing. I was talking to principal at Poplar Grove Middle, and she was telling me about the test scores and how much they've gone up since PATH has started, and, and she was just, like, so excited. Hey, you guys, tell me one story, just one story of what you've seen life change. Well, it's a little cruel to make us choose only one. <laughs> but if I had to choose one, I would choose the story of Martha and Miguel. So I met Martha when I was volunteering with the Moms Ministry, and uh, we were becoming friends. And while we were becoming friends, uh, her son, Miguel, and my son, our son, William, mm -hmm. were becoming best friends in kindergarten. And so it's been really neat to watch Miguel grow from the kindergartner, now in third grade, and see him grow academically and spiritually. Um, a couple of years ago, um, about two years ago, we invited him to church. And he's been coming to church with us about every Sunday. And um, he's uh, been, came to kids camp with us. And uh, I'll let Chris tell the last part. <laughs> and um, 
probably about a year and a half ago, he expressed interest in being baptized, Miguel did. So um, we made sure through the kids' ministry that, that he did understand what it meant to be a follower of Christ and that he had made that decision in his life. And I had the awesome privilege about a year ago to baptize him right out here on a Sunday morning. So um, we just, again, love having Miguel and, and many others be part of our lives through the Path Project. Guys, it's, it's amazing what God's doing. We're just so grateful. So tell us, how can we as a congregation pray and support and be a part of what God's doing through PATH? Well, I really love this sermon series because from the day I started working at PATH Project, I had the feeling of reaping what I didn't sow. Mm. And I know that's because of the prayer and the investment that people have been putting into that um, neighborhood. And so, um, like I mentioned, our, our program is growing. Um, since I started, it's grown by about 400%. <laughs> so we have a desperate need for volunteers. Um, there's no PATH project without volunteers that want to be there um, and consistently invest in the kids on, on a weekly basis. Um, so we need prayer for that. Mm. Um, if you want to know more about that, um, there will be a table out in the gallery with more information about that. Um, I also have some cards with some very specific prayer requests for families and just other needs that the, the neighborhood has um, that you can take home with you and pray as a family um, throughout the week for the PATH Project. That's awesome. And as the number of students have grown who are coming and being part of the programming, um, we also have the financial needs have grown as well. So um, if you would join us in praying for, uh, for God to provide financially for the PATH Project, uh, that would be amazing. And also on October 6th here in Franklin, we're going to have a, a dinner that's going to be informational and really inspirational, but also it's a fundraiser to, to raise money for the PATH Project. And we're, again, really excited. And um, we'd love for you to come see us at the table if you're interested and to get more information about any of this. Margaret Jane, Chris, thank you so much for all you do. We love you guys. And we're praying and we're cheering you on. So thank you. We just, oh, wait. <laughs> well, we just wanted to say, too, how much we appreciate the work that Rolling Hills has mm. done. I mean, Path Project wouldn't be in Franklin without Rolling Hills and for the investment that the church has made and the people here serving. And so just on behalf of our Franklin Estates friends, we wanted to say thank you. Amen. Good job. Yes. Yeah. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you, man. Guys, it's amazing, and it's so fun when you get in, you start to serve, and you meet people, and you just fall in love with what God's doing and, and the difference God's making in our community already. Now, those disciples, when they heard Jesus say, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, I'm sure they're kind of like, okay, okay, yeah, we get it, we get it, you know, but then he, all of a sudden, he says, and to the ends of the earth. And they're going, what? Ends of the earth, man. I mean, like, we haven't even been out of this kind of radius right here. How are we going to go to the ends of the earth? But God knew. Right? He was going to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. He was going to use these guys and their passion to make a difference globally. I remember when we started as a church, we had 15 people meet in an apartment clubhouse in Cool Springs. And this was 15 years ago. We're doing a Bible study on Thursday nights. And we said, you know what, it would just be easy to be about us, but we can't. God, use us around the world. And we didn't know what that meant, but we started to pray. We started to pray. And we talked to the guy, there was a guy in Texas who was working with an organization called Children's Emergency Relief International and said, hey, Jeff, would you bring a group to Moldova? And the first thing I said was, where's Moldova? You know, because I was like, I wasn't exactly sure. And he says, between the Ukraine and Romania, and it's the poorest, smallest country in the former Soviet Union. And so eight months later, we took 18 people and we went to Moldova. And I want to tell you, we just went there and we fell in love with these kids. 
We were working at a state-run orphanage. We were working at a communist camp, an old communist campground, about 150 kids, and we didn't know what to, we were getting into. We went there, and I mean, you, you talk about just dirt poor and everything, but these kids are so beautiful. And we spent a week with kids about age four to 15 who were all kind of stuck out there for the summer with nothing or nobody. And, and we just saw God moving and God working their lives. And we left that camp that day. We got on the vans to drive out and all these kids are swarming us and we're all crying, they're all crying and we're driving off and they're all chasing the vans down the road because they didn't want us to leave. And we made a promise. We're like, we're coming back, we're coming back. And we stopped, we had to pull over on the side after we get down the road a little bit and we walked out into a sunflower field, these giant sunflower fields. And we stood there, 18 of us, and held hands and just prayed over this place and said, God, please, 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 God, this country needs you. There was a statistic that said 60% of girls trafficked into prostitution in Eastern Europe came out of this country of four million. And our hearts broke. And we just said, God, please, protect these kids, protect these girls, protect these boys, protect them, Father. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would change this country. I pray that you would change this country, God. And instead of it being a country that sends, you know, kids into human trafficking, God, that it becomes a country that raises up fully mature disciples of you and kids who have a hope and a future. We came back and we took another trip the next year, the next year two trips, the next year three trips, and five years later we launched Justice and Mercy International. You see the booth every time you walk by and it's a part of our church and we said, hey, we're just gonna continue to do work and today we have transitional living homes for kids when they get kicked out of the orphanage have no place to go when they have to leave at 15 or 16 and have no place they can come and live in a home We've got 20 full-time people now working in Moldova, social workers, psychologists, psychiatrists who work with these kids. And I just want you to hear the story of just one kid. Her name's Tanya. Watch this. My dream is to be in the future a photographer, a professional photographer. I love when people smile. I was in an orphanage when I was two years old. I lived in an orphanage uh, 11 years. My mom left me when I was a year. And my father don't have money to care of us and, and she thought uh, he need to give us at orphanage because it's more, to be more easy. When I was an orphanage, it was not like a good life. I learned how to stay in the room of 10 and 15 girls. We have a room, just one bed. And uh, it was not uh, a big room, it was small. Uh, it was hard because uh, you don't have your parents with you, you don't have love uh, and someone who protects you. The best time was when American teams came. You know we are Christian, we talk more about God. And I started to know God when I was younger. This gave me uh, something new.
this is a new life what I have now. And if I wouldn't have this opportunity to be here in Grace House, I wouldn't have study. I wouldn't have a place where I stay. In the orphanage we have like a room for 15 girls, but here I, I stay in the room just for three girls. I learned how to cook. I didn't know because when I was an orphanage, they are cook for us. So it's interesting to cook for you. <laughs> Here uh, we have devotion, we will uh, learn more about God, we do worship, we learn more uh, to be responsible, we learn more about uh, people, about uh, what do you want and what do you want to be in future. If I compared my life uh, in the orphanage and now I will say this is better life, because uh, you have family here, you have uh, love, and you have friends here. They help you always. It's important to me to go uh, again in the camp because when we was children, some people came for us uh, in the camp, and now we need to go to show our uh, our love for for them. So happy for me, it's uh, it's what I have now. Uh, it's my family because the girls in the girls' house there now they are my family. My dream is to be in the future a photographer, a professional photographer, maybe in show business and to have a happy family. Because, like example, my parents, they don't try to have a happy family. And in the future, I, I want to have a happy family. executive director of JMI, and uh, Mary Catherine, tell us more about what's happening in JMI and how you got involved. Well, that first trip that you talked about, <laughs> Jeff, I wasn't on the first one, but I was on the second trip that we ever took to Moldova. Yeah. And because you don't go to Moldova once, once you go, you have to go over and over again because you fall in love with these kids. I went again the next year, and we started a new work in Falesht, yeah. and that's where I met Tanya, who was on the video for the first time. She was four years old. Wow. And I've been going ever since. And um, we just had graduation, and I got to walk around the corner and see Tanya coming in her little outfit, you know, to graduate. And I burst into tears because <laughs> these kids aren't anonymous orphans. They're our kids. Yeah. We know these kids. They're your kids because <laughs> you've supported them. Um, so that's how I got involved in JMI. And then um, taking those trips time after time. In 2008, I was invited to go to... Um, the Amazon, which scared me to death in Brazil. And I went and I was on the board of directors for JMI at that time. And so we started taking trips to the Amazon and working with kids and pastors there. And in 2013, we adopted that ministry in the Amazon. And that's when you came and asked me to be on staff with JMI. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's, it's been an incredible journey and God is doing so many great things. Talk about there's mission trips, there's orphans, there's pastors conferences and, and all the things that God's doing. 
God is doing so much more than we could have ever uh, imagined when yeah. we first started this. And praise God, because that's yeah. why we started JMI, because we wanted to do more than just go once a year or twice a year. We wanted to have people on the ground 365 days a year. So now we have staff in the Amazon. We have four full-time staff there. We have about 20 um, in Moldova. And we took 11 mission teams from the U.S. to all those countries, including South Africa as well, um, this last year. And I think six of those were from Rolling Hills. Um, and then we also have four teams from Brazil, so four Brazilian teams that were on our boat taking mission trips, and which I love because that means we're equipping and helping people in their own country to reach their own people, which is really amazing. So mission trips are a big part of what we do. Um, transitional living homes in Moldova, so these kids have a place to go. We just had 18 kids graduate from our transitional living and independent living this year, um, which was, a, it's, if you ever get a chance to go to one of those graduations, it's a real fun party, and um, it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, so we have now two houses in Chisinau, one for boys and one for girls, and then by God's grace, within the last year, we've bought two houses in the north. Uh, we just closed on one, and we were able to pay cash for that because of all the generous donors that have given towards that. So now we have two in the north, two in the middle, and next, within the next three to five years, we want to go to the south and have two houses in the south, Lord willing. That would be amazing. In the Amazon, we have pastor's conferences. We had over 200, and I think we had about 227 <laughs> between our two pastor's conferences this year. So our goal in the Amazon is to reach the entire state of Amazonas with the gospel. And so the best way for us to do that is through those men and women who are attending our conferences who've given up everything to go and to share the good news of Jesus with the people that they live and work with. And some of them come from the deep reaches of the jungle. I mean, I mean like... So far away. And you're going to see a little bit about that in a video later, yeah. and you'll get to see how I look my very best in the Amazon. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really something. <laughs> hey, tell us, what is the greatest need for JMI, and then what excites you the most? I think we have lots of needs. We're very needy. Jeff, you know that. I'm always knocking on Jeff's door. <laughs> I need something. Um, but it's because so many good things are happening. So uh, the thing I think I'm most excited about are these transitional living homes because it is tangibly changing someone's life. Mm. So somebody who could have been trafficked who now has education, job skills, um, a, a family, wow. and they're not orphans. Um, so that's one thing. Um, we have, because we have now four houses, it's the most expensive program that we run. Um, it's very expensive. If we are fully funded with sponsors for the year, we're still going to be about $50,000 shy of what we need to run those programs, but they are worth it. Um, so we, we do have kids. We have four um, at the table that need sponsorship. So if you're interested in that, that's a huge need. Um, we have our gala coming up on September 25th. That's really fun because our international staff, some of them come in and we get to tell the stories of all God's doing and it helps us raise money. We need volunteers for that. So we need still about 35 volunteers if people want to come and serve in that way. And then mission trips. Mm -hmm. We have all of the mission trips that are coming up this next year in the brochure that you got when you walked in the door. So I'd love to encourage some of you just like me, I started as a volunteer just going on a trip, and I know that there's some future leaders out there who God's going to call to come and join us. I love that. I love that. Well, Lisa and I sponsor kids, and it's just so great having our kids pray for them and just feel like family. You know, it's neat. So tell us, how can we as a congregation pray for what God's doing through JMI because of the power of prayer? Absolutely. We would not be where we are without prayer. Oh, yeah. 
Um, so if you could pray for us, we, we, it becomes routine that we go to all these places and we travel and, and it seems like, oh, we're just going to the Amazon or we're just going to Moldova. <laughs> but it's far away. There are a lot of things. Pray for safety uh, as we take teams. Pray for our staff. Um, there's spiritual warfare that happens in all these places. So pray over them. Pray that we'll have wisdom. Pray that we'll be able to raise the funds that we need to. And I do want to say Rolling Hills tithes to JMI. So you're our biggest support already. So if you feel called to do extra, that's great. But we could not do what we do without the support, both financially and prayer support and volunteer support of this church. Mm. Well, Mary Catherine, we're so grateful for what God's doing through JMI. And you're doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you. It's awesome. <laughs> Uh, guys, it's amazing what God's doing through his church and through us together. Oswald Chambers says this. He says, prayer is not, prayer is not preparation for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Okay, so get this. Prayer is not preparation for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. See, prayer is inviting the God of the universe and just saying, God, come into this situation. God, come in to my heart and my life. And prayer changes things. But listen, prayer changes us. Prayer changes us. It moves us onto God's agenda. It moves us in line with God's will and God's plan and God's purpose. And where there is prayer, there is always hope. Maybe you walked in today and you thought, man, things are hopeless. I mean, things are hopeless in my life or things are hopeless in my work or wherever. But listen, where there is prayer, where there is God, there is hope. And so never think a situation is hopeless or helpless. God is here and God cares about you. So what are you praying for? What are you praying for? What are you praying for in your family? It starts at home, right? And what are you praying for in your marriage or in your future marriage? What are you praying for in your kids? That's um, funny. I'll, I'm praying for my kids already who they're going to marry one day. You know? I don't even know who they are. There's some boy out there, hair-legged boy that's going to come and knock on the door one day. And I'm like, oh, come on now, you know. But I'm already praying that they're godly. Please, Lord, you know. I'm praying that wherever they are, they're in a church and they're finding community and there's people pouring into them. I'm praying. I'm praying already for that. What are you praying for for your family? What are you praying for your neighborhood? That pastor in New York just walking up and down the neighborhood. And when you go running or when you jog or when you're in your apartment complex and you're walking around, what are you praying for your neighborhood? What are you praying for in your workplace? When you go to work, when you walk in, it's not just, ah, oh, stress, but God, God, use me here. God, use me here. God, use me with my coworkers. And what are you praying for our world? God, come. God, move. God, hear. See, see, guys, listen, we, we can't do everything. We can't, we can't, but we can all do something. <laughs> we can all do something. And I want to tell you, when we begin to pray, that unleashes the power of God. That unleashes a great awakening. That unleashes hope. That unleashes help. And then God says, hey, I want you to be involved. Maybe it's a mission trip, or maybe it's sponsor a kid, or maybe it's, you know, praying with your family that you haven't done that before. But, but all of a sudden, then we begin to be filled with the boldness of Christ. And we begin to be filled with the Holy Spirit and just saying, yes, God, use me. So I just want to invite you this morning to pray. I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I want us to come before the Lord right now. Or maybe right now, would you just, just pray for your family? Maybe it's praying over your marriage. 
Maybe it's praying for your kids. Or maybe it's praying for your parents. I don't know. Just lift them up to the Lord right now. God, I bring them to you. Would you pray over your neighborhood? Maybe you know your neighbors, maybe you don't. But just say, God, if you want to use me, I'm here. Would you pray over your workplace? (laughs) You know, God has you there not just to make money. God has you there to be salt and to be light. And to reach out and to love. And now would you pray for our world? Oh God, our world needs you. God, there's people who have so little. And God, you can use us. So Father God, hear the prayers of your people. Lord, we run to you. We just bring everything to you because you're our help, you're our hope. Father, we invite you. We invite you into our world. We invite you into our lives. Come. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Come.